Welcome to the Out of Bounds Sports Podcast. Come with us, Out of Bounds, as we discuss and debate the latest topics in the world of sports. We have a great show ahead, so let's get to it. Tonight I have an interesting topic to cover. So interesting I had to enlist the help of one of my friends and fellow Lakers fans, Mike Nelson. Are you on the line? Mike, are you on the line? Yes, sir. Oh, okay. So tonight, like I was stating before, um, I had to enlist your help on this topic. I was sitting around thinking about what can I go over you know, in this segment today. So, it hit me that that 2001 Laker Sixer Finals is what I want to kind of, you know, touch on today. Right. So, like I said, tonight right. we'll discuss that. You know, Kobe and Shaq 2001 Lakers and that year's finals against the Sixers. And also, um, we're going to get Mike's favorite all-time starting five as well as his NBA all-time starting five. I definitely can't wait to hear your picks on that and why. <laughs> so, first order of business, Mike. How are you, sir? Man, I'm doing pretty good, man. You know, trying yes. to stay safe, stay healthy. It's definitely know? good to you, man. I haven't seen you in a while. I know, right? In a minute. It's been a minute since the last time we played basketball at the Lifetime Fitness. Yeah. I think you beat me. Didn't you beat me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you took it easy on me. Yeah, man. So how you doing? So how you doing? Uh, you know, I'm doing pretty good, man. I was going to ask you the same question. So how you been doing during this, uh, this nationwide quarantine thing? Uh, you know, uh, I'm just trying to be, you know, smart about it. You know, I'm essential, so I have to go to work every day. So when I'm not at work, you know, I work I work Tuesday through Friday, so um the weekends, you know, I go to the store, come home. Uh and that's pretty much it, man. That's the only really place that I go is to the stores and I'm just trying to stay out of the way. Stay safe. Guilty. So, so could you tell the people at home what it is that you do and tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, uh my name is Mike Nelson. Um, I work for Cormark International. Um, it's, it's basically a warehouse where we pick a lot of the candy and a lot of the groceries that you see at the convenience stores or like gas stations. And so um, it's a pretty easy job, um, easy money. So I enjoy it. And then on the side, you know, I play basketball. That's that's my first basketball is my first love. So I'm always playing basketball, and I also do music, produce, and write and record too. And how long have you been music? How long have I been doing music? Man, yes. I've been doing music since the seventh to eighth grade. I'm 35 right now so 
That's a long time. <laughs> yes, sir. I, I started. I started producing. Um, so it was a it was a program. Um, wait, before I had the program, this is crazy. I used to take the instrumentals um, at the end of songs, and I would loop them on my karaoke. I would push record, um, and then I hit the pause button, rewind the tape. Hit, unhit the pause button and just and that's how I would loop my instrumentals and so I started I started like um like saying okay I, I want to make beats I want to make beats like these so I had found the program MTV Music Generator and that was on the computer and I started with that you know dabbing to making my beats like that and it just slowly um progressed to Fruity Loops and then I started writing my cousin used to always freestyle in the car and he always motivated me. He never knew it, but he always motivated me. And one day he picked up my notepad and he was like, what is this? And um, I was like, you know, my rhymes. And he was like, you know, this is pretty good. Why don't you, you know, why don't you record? And ever since then, ever since he asked me that, by me getting his approval, because I looked up to him, that's what made me start, you know, recording and stuff like that. So do you have any music that you're currently working on now? Or like how how is that going on, you know, with, with your work schedule and everything? Um it's coming along slowly. I I, I went I had some issues uh, for maybe like a year or two and I was in this like real depressed state. And I finished the whole album, but I sat back and I listened to it and it was just like you know, this this is really depressing. You know, like it was just a bunch of life experiences that I went through and that, that I was going through. And so I was just like, I didn't want my whole album to be so depressed. So I erased the whole thing. And a lot of people tell me that I should have erased it. But I just felt like, you know, not the whole album. The whole album couldn't be depressing. You know, I wanted to I wanted it to be well rounded, and it's called um, Heart of a Lion. So I'm still working. I revamped it, and I'm still working on it a little bit. No singles have been released yet, but I'm slowly getting that getting there. The Heart of the Lion comes from um, I was born and raised in Lake Como, Lake Como, Texas. That's my neighborhood, and you know the neighborhood mascot is a lion, Como lion. So you know, the heart of a lion is it's just basically letting the people know, you know, where I come from, how I grew up, and although I'm not in Como anymore, I'm always going to remain. That's my heart. That's the heart of the lion, you know? Yeah. Okay. So I'm definitely um, interested in hearing some of your, your new music. Um, I know it's, you know, going to be very inspirational, especially, you know, what we're going through right now. Um, Yes, sir. So we got that out the way. I want to get down to our business. 2001 Lakers and that championship run. So this was actually my favorite title run of Kobe's five. So, so Mike, uh, I'm going to get your I'm going to get your take on this. So this, okay. is, this is my, this is my personal favorite. So in 2001, 
I think I was, I think I believe I was a sophomore in high school at that time. And me and my cousin, Chris, you know, that often appears on this show, you know, we're on the opposite end of this on this series because he he's a, he's an AI fan. I'm a Kobe fan. Okay. So hopefully, hopefully he called into the show. I, I gave him the number to call in, but I, I want to kind of pick at him because he picked the Sixers to beat the Lakers. And the Lakers, if you remember, didn't lose a game that series, but but that one game. Well, didn't lose lose a game that playoff and that it's just that one game in game one against game the Sixers. One. Yes, sir. And that's the only time they lost that whole entire playoff. Um, so hopefully he calls so I can, you know, kinda of pull the scab off that nineteen year old wound we got. <laughs> he was a huge Um and as you know, you know, like I said, Kobe was my guy. So I yeah. so I was so I was starting my case there. Two thousand one. You know, Kobe, you know, Kobe had arrived. He was a bona fide superstar in his own right. It only mm-hmm. took him four to win his first championship the year prior, back in 2000, when they beat the, I think, the Pacers. Mm-hmm. Kobe was very eager to, to collect more rings, you know, after he got that first taste of winning the title. You know, he would enter that summer, um, 2000, determined, you know, to be the best, even better than right. his teammate Jack. You know, he, he, had, he had that, that fire, you know, just that some, some just don't have, but he had it. And, mm-hmm. you know, the players of, you know, Kobe and Shaq, you know, would kind of split, kind of take, you know, a, a different route, so to speak, you know, from, you know, one was kind of like doing their own thing and, you know, the other one was trying to, you know, you know, be great. Um, right. You know, after four seasons, Shaq has been the number one option on the offense and Kobe was a clear number two. Kobe had become Shaq's equal as an offensive threat. So, you know, you see this power struggle between Shaq and Kobe in the offense, as well as, you know, overwhelming pressure to repeat as champions because they hadn't, they hadn't repeated the eighties at this time. So, but this, but this leading into that, that before we even get to the playoffs, that, that season wasn't that great. You know, even though their playoff series was phenomenal, they only went 56 and 26 before beginning the epic, um, run at the championship. Right. So the, the run at the finals in uh, 2000, um, was probably the, the most dominant series in the NBA history. The Lakers had swept Portland, Sacramento, and San Antonio. You know, they knew, those, those, these teams in the West at that time was no slouch. Right. With, with the, post, the, the postseason record before they got to Philly was 11-0. So with that scorching hot record going into that finals, Kobe and Shaq was both averaging together 28 points a game each. And as you know, they lost that first game, like we said before, behind AI's 48-point performance and the iconic step over on Teron Lou, which we'll get into later. Um, but Mike, I want to get, you know, um, what your take was, where, where were you at during this series? how did you feel about game one? how did you feel about AI? You know, just I just want to get your whole overall take on that whole series. Okay, so, um, I can't remember where I was. I'm pretty sure I was at home, um, glued to the TV because Everyone knows that, you know, Kobe Bryant is also my guy. And also, AI was also my guy, too, because AI gave me, like, he let me know that you could be small and still be great. So, I enjoyed both of those guys. So, I'm glued to the TV, like, okay, this is this is going to be good. But I, although I was going for the Lakers. I wanted to see AI shine 
because I also wanted AI to win a ring too. But I'm a big Lakers fan. So game one, Iverson is just killing the Lakers. You know, like you said, 48 points, and I believe Kobe had like 15, 15, 15 points in that game. And it just seemed it seemed different to me. Like I was like, man, this dude, this is gonna be a long series because this dude is gonna take down the Giants. And that's what I was thinking about AI. But I was loving it because it was AI. And then it's just something about that Shaq and Kobe duo and then the other pieces fitting in. So after game one, the whole thing just shifted. And it's just Kobe and Shaq. Like, Kobe Bryant, that dude, man, was was great. And I agree with you. Like, that's the best um, finals run, I believe, that Kobe had also. Man, like like you were, I was glued to the TV every every step of the way. I, I think I watched every game that series. It went, I believe, it went five games. Yeah, because it went it five went, games. Yeah, it went five games, and I was on the edge of my seat because we could we couldn't get anything right there. Now, I mean, I, I I could remember that series like it was yesterday, and. Mm-hmm. You know, I was I was already you know pumped about it. I was like, this is gonna be easy, sweet. We had already done you know beat Portland, beat Sacramento, and these teams like mm-hmm. they had some powerhouse teams. Like yeah. these, these they didn't beat no like no bums. They beat like some legit perennial um, future Hall of Famers. And mm-hmm. then to get to to Philadelphia, all they had was AI. Like if you look at that 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 roster, that two thousand one Philadelphia seventy. Roster. It was no one but AI, of course. They didn't have nobody but AI. I can go down the list of guys on that list that, that probably won't even make the Hall of Fame. Yeah. But that's AI. True. And so, and that's what scared me after game one, although I knew that they didn't have, you know, like a like that roster like that. But it was just something about AI, and when he scored that 48 points, and I was like, man, if this dude score like this every game, the Lakers might be in trouble. And that's what I was thinking after game one, because I was like, there's nobody on the Lakers that could guard AI. And as you can see, after he did Lou like that, and I was just he like, was man, okay, so... Nobody's going to be able to guard him. But Kobe being Kobe, he, like, tell you that AI bought the the best out of him. He made him work harder. And I think that's what drove them to victory. I I agree with you on that because you've seen a different side of Kobe versus that Indiana series. You you saw mm-hmm. a, a little because I I believe um I believe he, in that series he had got injured and he didn't he didn't play um the whole entire like it was he sat out some games in that series but coming into that Philadelphia 76ers series you saw a different side of Kobe you saw that Kobe had actually even though they had won the title this is the year this championship when Kobe actually 
you know, made his, you know, mark on the league. Like I'm a star, mm-hmm. you know, just as good as anybody else, and not not just anybody else, even better than his superstar counterpart, Shaquille O'Neal. Mm-hmm. The scene, you know, just the drive and you know dedication to to that drove them. They they basically rode that into you know the victory. Because after that, after that, it just like you said, it just took off. Like they didn't look back. And yeah, it just, and it just was, it was just one of those things. I was scared after game one, but then after game two, when I seen them bounce back, I was like, okay, like this is gonna be. A good series. I, I I thought it was gonna be a good series, and so, but it makes you think about um, Kobe Bryant, all the work that he put in, even at that young age. I can remember uh, when he first came into the league and he shot those air balls against Utah, and I remember seeing this. I remember seeing this video where they was talking about after he shot those air balls and he got on the bus, he had headphones on with no music playing. And he could hear, like, all of his teammates uh, criticizing him, talking about him. They thought he was listening to music, but he really was listening to all the things that they had to say about him. And it made him work harder and harder and harder that offseason, and he came back, like, stronger than ever. So that work ethic, over the over the edge, so to speak, to win those championships. And Shaq said to himself, he was lazy. He felt like, oh, we, I I have Kobe Bryant to lean on, and that says a lot. It's, it's definitely a, a, a mouthful. Just knowing Shaq and his career and his stature, he had four titles, you know, in his career, and you know he had a good run in Orlando. And for him to 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 say that. I mean, that it, it took a you know a, a man that was comfortable in his own skin to be able to actually say that I didn't play what I'm capable of doing. I didn't, you know, I was lazy, and I leaned on this this young up and rising star. That story that you mentioned about him having the headphones it just speaks to how what Kobe was and right. just what he brought to the to to his teammates what he brought to the NBA Kobe was the reason why I even started really taking basketball serious you know I played mm-hmm. basketball as you know um you know in my free time a lot and he was the reason why I mean even though like back in the 90s I'm not gonna sit here and lie to you Mike I was glued to to the TV watching the Bulls I was watching Chicago and Michael mm-hmm. Jordan do their thing but it wasn't until Kobe actually came into the scene where I had really, really started wanting to play basketball, wanting to, you know, actually do some of the moves I've seen and things like that. Because I wasn't that, you know, that athletic growing up. Mm-hmm. I, it wasn't until I got older and started really started, you know, trying to better my health and, you know, lose weight and things like that. Because I was always overweight and I mm-hmm. wanted to, you know, try to, you know, find some kind of ways that would, you know, motivate me to to lose the weight. And, you know, I gravitated a lot towards Kobe. And that was that 2000 season right before they won that title where, you know, I've been a fan since then. Right. So, cause, so if you remember, Kobe, you know, his first few years, I think the first three years of his career, 
he wrote the bench. It was a lot of guys, veteran guys, that were ahead of him. It wasn't until Rick Fox that got injured. And I think Dale Harris went ahead and subbed him into the game. And he's been, you know, he had been starting ever since after that. Mm-hmm. And I remember. Where would Kobe be? Where where would he have where 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 would he have been if if he hadn't been on that bench for three years? I mean, he was on the bench for three years. I mean, he finished the career, but, but um, he was third. Then LeBron just passed, and you know, he's fourth now. But he had went third all time, and when he finished the career, mm-hmm. but you, do you think that he probably could have crept up into that top two spot if he wouldn't, you know, kind of like um... shackled down? For three years, I know. I know that a lot of people would say, "Yeah," but I'm gonna say I'm gonna say no because although he was good, I don't think that he was like really ready for that NBA right then. Three years that he sat on the bench, I feel like that gave him an opportunity to study the game, work more with, you know, veterans like Eddie Jones, uh, Byron Scott, um, all of those veterans that was on that team. I felt like going against them every day in practice, although you're on the bench, I honestly think that it bettered him. So, the and then you know, the frustration brung out to in him. Like I should be playing. So I feel like once he got his opportunity, it's like okay, ain't no turning back now. Like I have to show them that I should have been playing the whole time. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And so and, I think. And... Go ahead. Oh, no, go, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just saying, so I think, I think sitting on the bench, like, helped him, like, be to where he was now. Because even, even Tracy McGrady said the same thing. Um, you know, he sat on the bench his first couple years in the league, and he said it was frustrating. And he would call Kobe Bryant and ask him for advice because he went through the same thing. And so it actually kind of helped him too. And so, like, I I just feel like that it helped. Sometimes you can throw somebody in there too early, and they're not ready. And you know that from a basketball standpoint. That's not just like you you know you know that from playing the game. Yes. Yes, because you think think you good individually. You think you good, but. It's always somebody that's better than you. But you just have to, if you want to be better than that person, you have to work hard. So it's been plenty of times where I sit here and I say, I know that I'm better than these folks that's playing before me. And so I'm not going to lie to you. When I was a kid, I sucked at basketball. I thought I was good. I had the handles. I had the handles and stuff like that. But I just, I don't know. I couldn't beat nobody. I was small, you know, kind of like AI. I was small. Um, and I just couldn't beat anybody. But I worked, I worked, I worked. I, I always watched Michael Jordan growing up. Um, 
you know, I used to record the little tapes, inside edition, uh, I mean, inside stuff. Um, I used to watch the tapes, rewind them, come fly with me, like a little playground. Yes, I used to, I used to watch all of that stuff. Um, Penny Hardaway, uh, Scotty Pippen, Eddie Jones, I used to rewind those tapes and watch how they played defense. Like, watch how they, they, the form for their shot. Like, I used to just watch it. And so, it just made me work hard. So, after a while, it was just like, okay, now I'm about to show them, you know, I can really play. Even though, um, sometimes I still wasn't ready, but it made me work hard. And so, when I worked hard on my game, it was like, okay, here I am. But the moment I realized I was good, I don't know if I ever told you this story before, but I went to a playground and I was in maybe the ninth grade and I played against some guys 18, 18, 19 years old. I was five foot two, three or something like that. And at this time, I had handles. Um, I was always driving past guys. And so I made these guys look so bad on the court that they went home and they got a gun, came back, put the gun in my face. And it was but it was because the homeboys on the sideline, you know, you had the homeboys on the sideline and they was, oh man, this this dude is, you know, he killing y'all, he killing y'all, you know, people don't like that. And so they went home, got the gun, pointed it in my face. I was scared to death. But after it was all said and done, I was just like, wow, you know. I got a gun pointed in my face because of basketball. And that's what made me realize I was good. Uh, yeah, I, I never heard you tell me the story. And we've been playing. I mean, I've been I've been knowing you for a while. I mean, we started, uh, I think I met you at Alcom when we worked there. You remember yeah, like 2009, 2009, 2010, something like that. And I remember you told me that you, that you hoop. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, looking at, looking at your, um, you know, how small you was a man, like, I, I mean, I, I was just, you know, like you, you know, you keep saying that you were small, but, you know, but, and then we, I first finally saw you on the basketball court. I mean, it was, I was like amazed, like how fluid the shot was and how, you know, athletic you were, how fast you were and things like that. Um, yeah. Oh, so, so Mike, like, how far do you think you could have went with basketball? I mean, just looking back at it, you know, and, you know, knowing that story, how far do you think this could have went if, if, um, if you really, you know, pursued it, pursued it, like, if you, if, how far you think you, you would have, um, you went, how, how far basketball would have took you, taken you? Looking back at it, and to all the listeners out there, I, I do, I would like to tell y'all this. If you, if you're in a place where they have a good program, um, Good coaches, I would tell you to stay. That was my biggest mistake. Um, I went to South Hills High School. We had a good, we had a good coach on varsity, but I was doing, um, I was on JV at the time, um, and the coach, the coach, um, was horrible. The JV coach was horrible. I mean, I'm in practice like. 
killing these dudes in practice. And I was like one of the smallest ones. And so he said, tell me why I should play you. And I said, because I'm better than half of these dudes in here. I was frustrated. I was talking out of frustration. I'm better than half of these dudes in here and I can beat you. So wow. <laughs> we, we ended up playing one-on-one in front of some of the some of the uh, team, and I beat him 15 to 6. This is the coach. The I co- beat the coach 15 to 6. Wow. And he was playing me hard, and I'm talking about, like, bagging me down, like, all of that type of stuff. But I was, just, I was too quick, so I beat him, like, 15 to 6. And so after that day, I was so frustrated, I went home, and I told my mom, I don't want to go there anymore. Like, I want to go to Western Hills. I want to play with all of my cousins. You know, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, if I play basketball with my cousins, they know my game. I know their game. Like, we we have good chemistry because I had a lot of cousins in Western Hills that played basketball. And so, when I got there that first year, it was great. I loved it. Second year, program was worse than the program I left. We didn't run no plays. We didn't lift no weights, no conditioning. We was basically out there looking like a wreck team, basically. And that was my biggest downfall. I saw the head coach from South Hills at Walmart. Uh, and he said, man, this is this is his exact words. What's up, Mike? Man, how you been? Why did you leave? I had a spot for you. And... I couldn't do nothing but say, man, I was taking too long. I got frustrated, you know what I'm saying? Because I knew I could play. And I felt like the only reason why I didn't get a chance over there is because I was small in stature. And so if I, I feel like if I would have stayed, then I could have went to I could have went to college. If I didn't go to the NBA, I could have went like overseas somewhere and played ball. Because although I was small, I knew that one of those programs would put weight on me. And I felt like that was the only thing that I lacked was size. Right. So, I want to switch gears a bit. Okay. And that was, you know, very interesting story. You know, like some of this stuff I didn't even know. You know, as long as we've been talking, you've never mentioned this. But I'm, I'm glad I can, you know, I'm, I'm glad I can enjoy it now, you know, just kind of listen to, you know, where you've been and, you know, how, where, where life is taking you and, you know, how basketball mm-hmm. inspires you through it all. Mm-hmm. But I want to switch a little bit. The next topic, all-time Lakers starting five. All-time Lakers starting five. I would put, let me see. I mean, position and everything. I want like I want their name and position. I will put and not 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 by how good they are. This is your starting five. I will put I will put Magic Johnson at the one. I will put Kobe Bryant at the two. Small forward. I will put. Um, Small forwards. I would probably put either 
Eddie Jones or Glenn Rice at the small forward. Okay. Power forward, I will put um, maybe Vladdy D. I might put, nope, I take that back. I will put Will Chamberlain at the four spot, and I will put Shaquille O'Neal at the five spot. Okay. I know they both centers, but the reason why I put um, Chamberlain at the power forward position is because we wasn't around back then. All we heard was stories about Whit Chamberlain. But I can't remember what I was watching. I don't know if I saw it on YouTube, but I seen highlights of Whit Chamberlain doing everything. And I didn't realize how fast Whit Chamberlain was until I seen him run down that court. And it was just like, man, this dude was like super athletic. So with that being said, he has to be at the four spot. And I changed my mind. The small forward position, I will put Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis, okay. That's at Mm -hmm. the at the at the small forward. Okay. Hmm. Okay. So that's your start five. So mine is five Lakers. So mine, let me give you mine. I got we 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 um close on this, but like like you said, I got Magic at the one, Kobe at the two. Then I got LeBron. Even though he just got on the scene, he just became a late. I, I mean, he he won me over. I used to hate LeBron. I promise you, that was the biggest <laughs> LeBron ever. But he won me over just by how you know after this tragedy with Kobe and how he kind of like rattled the guys and things like that like he he, he Lakers now he is Lakers now I forgot but, about LeBron so, so I had to put LeBron at the, at, at the small four because it's just only right um then I, I got okay okay mm-hmm. and then uh, I got Kareem and then it rounds out with Shaq even though like you said you put Wilt right there but I think Kareem, like, a lot of people be sleeping on Kareem. Like, they did a, a poll. Like, did you hear about that? That um, I think they did, like, something like a college, um, greatest college player, and Michael Jordan won it. Picked Michael Jordan, and yeah. They picked Michael Jordan. I was like, they didn't even, like, they didn't even consider Kareem. Kareem did nothing. Kareem. But, <laughs> like, like, that was crazy. Kareem like, was he, a monster. So I had I had to put cap on there, man. I had to I had to go ahead and put the captain on there, man. Um, I forgot about that. Already. Yeah, man, you gotta put cap on there, man. You can't leave him off of no Lakers <laughs> starting. <laughs> that's and see, and see, that's why it's so hard. That's why it's so hard to pick. The Lakers had so many great players. Like, yeah. And we didn't mention Worthy. He was on there, but I, I I just didn't want to. Like, like I I I, I, I wasn't in that era. I don't see like like highlights. Mm-hmm. That's not a great player. Jerry West, I mean, in his in his time, George Mikan. Mm-hmm. Good players, man. Like those, like it's an iconic franchise. Yeah. So that's my my starting five. So now you're gonna, you know, I'm gonna get your NBA, like your all time NBA starting five. My all time NBA starting five. This is gonna be 
I will put. Let me see. I will put Kobe Bryant. I will put Kobe Bryant at the one because his ball handling skills. I think his ball handling skills is a little greater than Michael Jordan. So I will put Kobe Bryant at the one. I will put Jordan at the two, of course. At the three spot, I will put um, the three spot is hard for me. Um, I would probably put Larry Bird at the three spot. Okay. Larry Bird. And then I will put at the power forward position, I will go with Will Chamberlain. I like I I would just have to pick Will Chamberlain at the at the power okay. forward spot. And then for the center, Shaquille O'Neal. Shaquille O'Neal was just too dominant. I tell you, like I got this written down on this piece of paper and mm-hmm. a lot of our picks are similar, but Mine for the one would still be Magic, and I got the two with Kobe, Bird at the the small position, and I got KG power forward, and I got Shaq at center. And you got no Jordan? I got no Jordan. And I'm gonna tell you why. My I'm a little okay. Let me let me tell you this. Now I told you I grew up watching Michael Jordan. Like Mm -hmm. who did? You know like. Everybody wanted to be like Michael Jordan. You know, all the way up until I was a, you know, I got into like early adulthood, you know, I would always want to give me a pair of Michael Jordan shoes. Mm. But I started, started to get a little bit more conscious about, you know, social things. A little bit, you know, I started, you know, really looking at things at a set, another set of lenses. And so when I look at an athlete, it's not just about what they do on the court, it's what they do off of it as well. And that impacts my um, my following to that particular athlete too, especially you know once I got older and started looking at it differently. And okay. when I was you know seeing people you know dying or you know scuffling or doing you know crazy stuff behind some Michael Jordan shoes, and he never you know publicly said anything about it, never stepped in like nothing was said about it or you know then I heard he invested in prisons and things like that you know like a lot of things that you know I, I okay and so I hear with that with the I, I understand what you're saying like I agree with you with the you know he didn't say anything about people dying over his shoes but the prison thing is all wrong it's a, it was a white guy named Michael Jordan that invested into those prisons not the athlete Michael Jordan because I used to say the same thing until I actually saw that it was a white a white guy named Michael Jordan invested in those private prisons yeah but you know people hear the name Michael Jordan they just run with it yeah that was that was my my biggest thing when I I'm I'm just telling you what what kind of turned me and it's kind of been like this ever since lately because once I started you know latching on to Kobe you know I kind of like and I, I saw Jordan at the tail end of his career. Like, I, I remember mm-hmm. the, both Utah series. And, you know, those was iconic series. And then, you know, Kobe came on the scene, you know, kind of like, you know, won me over with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing, the, the last and final thing, straw with Michael Jordan was, I, I, do you remember anything about the interaction that he had with uh, the rapper Chameleon Air? 
Yeah, I, re- I remember that story. I remember that story. Um, yeah, I remember that story. You want to um, briefly uh, speak on that? Well, it's just like, uh, I really don't know. I don't know why he acted like that. I guess um, Kalina came from an auction, just bought all those jerseys. And he asked Michael Jordan for a picture. And Michael Jordan was saying, I ain't, I ain't taking no picture with no N-word. That's what Camille right. said. Um, yeah. We, yeah, that's what I he, mean, we really yeah. can't be... I never heard... I never heard... I don't, I don't know. What I'm trying to say is I, I haven't heard both sides. But at the same time, you just never know. Um, if he said it, I feel like he was wrong. Because these dudes are fans. And, like, I can tell you, when I was a kid, I asked Kenny Smith for his autograph. And he just walked away from me. And wow. still to this day, when I see Kenny Smith on TV, uh, I can't, you know, I can't stand him. You know, I always look at him in a different light because he did that to me. So it could very well be true about Camille and what Michael you- Jordan. Hello? Where, where did you meet? You meet that? I met him at um I met him at a basketball game. I went to I went to a Houston Rockets game. Uh, it was Houston Rockets versus versus the Sacramento Kings. It was back in the nineties. Uh, I think I was in like the second grade. And this particular this particular time, um, the very first autograph I got was Robert Ory at the scores table. And I still remember his words. What's up, man? Don't be shy. You know, got his I got his autograph. Spud Webb actually took me around the arena for the for the rest of the time I was there to get these autographs. And when I got when I got to Kenny Smith, I asked Kenny Smith for his autograph, and he walked away. Like he just walked away. Like I don't know. I don't know if he didn't see me or, but I'm pretty sure that he saw me. I remember him seeing me. That's what I remember. And he walked away, and I just remember feeling like, okay, you know? But I kind of, like, prepped up. I kind of, like, prepped up after that because I I caught Hakeem Olajuwon in the parking garage before he got... I don't know if he was going to the team bus or he was going to his car. It couldn't have been the team bus because they was in Houston. So he might have been going to his car, but I caught him in the parking garage... (laughs) And I got his autograph, and that and that just made my night. Yeah, you get you get Kim Elijah one. That's the dream. So I mean, I'm I'm good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that Kenny Smith, you know, I just feel still feel a certain way about that. You know, so Jordan Like I I don't I wouldn't understand why. I just don't understand like why an athlete would do something like that. To a fan, right? Yeah, I, 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 I just ain't never heard nothing like that before myself either. Like when I, when, when he, I heard that, and I was like, man, I just, I just couldn't, you know, good conscience, you know, still, you know, call myself a Michael Jordan fan after that, like, because it, 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 it really didn't make any sense to, to take it to that level. I mean, I understand that, like, you're a high profile athlete, but you mean if someone, you know. And I know that you have your problems, but it didn't have to go to that extreme for him to, you know, call him that name. 
and and to go down like that if that's what the case mm-hmm. was. But that's what I have that resentment, and so I kind of leave Michael Jordan off a lot of my, you know, t- even though even though like you can't deny he was you know one of the greatest, and some people may argue that he was the greatest. I just I mean Kobe's my guy, man. <laughs> yeah. So. And also, also you can look at it like you know they were at a party, you know they could have been under their influence. And I feel yeah. like every, I feel like every athlete has one of those moments, but I don't. I've never heard one to that extreme, you know. But but I just think every athlete had those moments. Um. So who knows, you know? Yeah. But so. recently. Recently, Jordan has, I don't know if you heard about it, but Jordan opened up a um, health clinic or two. Yeah, something like yeah, that, um, where, he, where he's from. And I thought that was really, I thought that was really, like, great of him to open up a health clinic. You know, most people go, they might open up something else, but like, you know, a health clinic. I just, I just think that's great, especially around this time right now, what's going on. Well, yeah, that that he opened those up before this even started, so that that came in clutch. So I mean, mm-hmm. I can't like that, something like that. I can't den- deny that. Like that was that was you know, you know that was great. But it, it's just like some of the things that I that I heard of. You know, it's kind of like kind of deterred me away from Michael Jordan. Some of the you know some of the stuff that he used to you know say to like teammates and you know opposing players and stuff like that. It's just that's just, just me. But Kobe does. But, Kobe does the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I did hear a lot of, <laughs> but some of them like, and like I said, man, I'm, I'm just, you know, even though like, like I said, Kobe is my guy. Like I, I have always, you know, gravitated towards him for you know all this time. So I mean, not he just, yeah, he just been off of, you know most of my list for a very long time. So, mm-hmm. um, so Lakers, current Lakers. I know that it's kind of, you know, hard for us to even talk about these current Lakers just with, you know, our climate now. Mm-hmm. Um, on March the, the NBA, you know, faced concerns and uncertainties over the breakout of the coronavirus mm-hmm. and the impact on its games and its businesses and players, coaches and fans. As you notice, the NBA suspended um, the current 2019-20 season, you know, to further notice. And also... It was, you know, determined they were going to use this hiatus to basically determine the next steps moving forward in regards to this pandemic. The mm-hmm. Lakers at the time was 49 and 14, number one in the West. Was this AD trade a success? Mortgaging all of the young players that they had for one generational talent. Um... I would say, you know, this is kind of hard for me um, because, sure, it's it's okay right now, but I'm pretty sure you know we struggled. Although we have a good record, we struggled. We've struggled all season to have that to have that third that third score, that third option, and right. I feel like. Right. I feel like the mistake that the Lakers made was 
keeping Kuzma and getting rid of Brandon Ingram. We've had this discussion before, remember? Mm-hmm. We've had this and discussion I, several times. <laughs> I know a lot of people, a lot of people like Kuz because Kuz is more outgoing. Um, you know, he he talks a lot. He has a lot of antics, you know, on the court. And Brandon Ingram was kind of quiet, kind of tall, lanky. But me being a basketball player, whenever I see somebody that can play, it's like it's it's almost like I can I can see okay, this dude is gonna be a star because. You look at somebody play basketball. I know, at least for me, when I look at somebody play basketball, there's certain things that I pick up on. Like, okay, like this dude is going, this dude is going to be great. He just needs some time. And I feel like the past, the past couple of years, the Lakers didn't give some of the talent that came through. They they didn't give them time to develop into what they are now. For example, D'Angelo Russell. I honestly believe the only reason why they got D'Angelo Russell is because of the whole Nick Young situation. And but as you can see, when he got traded away, he became an All Star. Uh, Brandon Ingram, he got traded away, he became an All Star. Um, Lonzo, he's not an All Star yet, but Lonzo had a lot of injuries he was dealing with when he first got there and I, I honestly feel like he's going to be an all-star pretty soon so it's like yeah we have Anthony Davis one all-star but just imagine if you had that same team uh, Lonzo Brandon Ingram D'Angelo Russell LeBron James and Anthony Davis there's no denying We went back and forth about this particular topic off, <laughs> off air. And if I'm a if I'm a GM, I'm gonna do that deal a hundred times. They had time and time and time again in a Lakers uniform proved themselves. The lights were too bright. They had to flourish somewhere else. I would do a hundred times and wouldn't lose a, a wink of sleep. AD is a generational talent. You're not going to find that in the draft. You're not going to find that. Like, AD changes life on any team he goes to. And I can't say that about any of those teams. I mean, players. Now, some of the players that we did get rid of under Magic, D'Angelo Russell, you know, seeing how he playing now. Um... Brooke Lopez, he balling with Milwaukee. Um, I did. I was not a big fan of them getting rid of. Um, I can't think of his name. We we traded him out to the Clippers. They got Lou Will. He's Lou. up there. That was Lou Will. But it was, it was another Zubac. Zubac. That, that I was. I kind of. I kind of was like that. Was that kind of hurt? I, I really like Zubac. I was upset about it. Yeah, I was. Yeah, Zubac. I I don't understand that. And then we then we didn't get like a you know good return on that anyway. Like I think we got a a, a big that could shoot threes. I forget I forget his name. 
because he he bounced. He's somewhere else now too. Yeah, he's somewhere else too. I know who you're talking about, I, but I can't remember his name. But he's somewhere else. Once I remember his name, but but that that I, mean, I, I didn't think that was straight. I mean, like the trade, like I. What am I trying to say? I think I would have liked the trade if they would have kept Brandon Ingram because Brandon Ingram would have been the third. He would have been that third option, in my opinion. Like, I like the in, way in my opinion. He just he's just better than Kuzma to me. He just he just a better player, a better overall player. I think Kuzma just jack up a lot of shots and he run all over the court. In my opinion. Did you see, did you see Kuzma last season? Kuzma was balling. Yeah, but but what happened though? I think he was doing I think I think it went to his head because and I'm not I'm not gonna lie, like I used to like Kuz I used to like him too. Like I used to be like, okay, you know, you know, we kept cools. But after I started seeing him do these interviews, and he basically like dissing the other Lakers that got traded, and it's just like, you know, dude, like you was almost traded too, and technically the Pelicans didn't want you. Like, where Kuz lost me at is when he made that comment, you know, where not everybody's cut out to be a Laker. And when he said that, he lost me because it's just like, dude, you were, you were almost traded too. But right. the Pelicans didn't want you. They wanted Ingram and Ball. So what does that say about you? And that's, and that's where he lost me at. And then it just seemed like he just went downhill from there because he was good last year yeah he, he man like I said he was he was balling that he was a, um, that, that second superstar to LeBron last year but you know he had a significant drop off but when you get AD you know he kind of moved to the downside of the bench I mean like AD's here like and they kind of like to a, to a young player you know, you you going, you was a starter, you was in the starting rotation, and you you know you on the bench coming off the bench. Now, I mean, that, that kind of does something to your psyche. You know, you know that as a as a basketball player, you, if you're not playing, I mean, it's, of course you lose that confidence. Just like how you was telling me about um, when you was at South Hills and you wasn't getting in, and then you went to another school just because of that. I mean, it's it's the same thing. Um, even though it's like. It's the same concept, even though it's you know you, you're talking about NBA in high school, but it's the same mm-hmm. concept as far as just to the the um, the players, you know, psychologically. I can I can agree with that in a in a sense, but I just felt like it was many times this season where they gave Kuz a chance, they gave him the minute, and he just didn't deliver, like. He haven't been delivering this this season like he was last season. I mean, you could blame it on sitting on the bench, but at this point, I feel like if you talking if you talking reckless like you was talking in the interviews, not everybody's cut out to be a Laker. Then that means you mentally tough. 
if you're talking like that in interviews, that means that you're mentally tough. So you prepare for whatever that's going to be thrown your way. So not everybody's cut out being a Laker. That means that you that you cut out to be a Laker. So if you have to go to the big, you have to be cut out to be a Laker to accept that role. Do you get what I'm saying? Right, right. Yeah, I, I, I so, you know, kind of big on that. And so, and I just think, like I said, I just think Brandon Ingram was an overall better talent. I seen him play at Duke, and I was just like, man, this tall, skinny dude is balling. Like, once he gets some weight on him, because he reminded me a lot of KD, and I was like, like once, once this dude pick up some weight, like he gonna be great. And I just feel like they wasn't so patient with him. But he improved each year. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, 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 I want to let you know that I agree with you now. Like, before, I was like, man, you crazy. Like, we got food. Yeah, we I kept food. <laughs> yeah, remember, like, who's... And then I had to, I had to humble myself. I had to... I, I inboxed you out of nowhere on Facebook. I was like, man, you was right. You like, what you talking about? I said that that Brandon Ingram trade, and then I was like, man, mm-hmm. I, I just want to let you know that I, I'm with you now. It took me a while, but I'm I'm, I'm with you now. Mm-hmm. So we're moving on to our final couple topics, and, I, okay. and I'm glad that you, you know you came on, man. I, you know we've been having a good show so far, and I, and I really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, no so, problem. Now the the last the last few topics. I want to kind of hit on the 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 impact of, on this virus on you know sports. So initially, you know, across several different leagues, there were plans of, for games to be played in front of empty arenas. Mm-hmm. And now, nearly every major sports in the U.S., if not all of them, now have paused their season indefinitely. Mm-hmm. Or in like NCAA, they've you know canceled both men and women's tournaments outright. And the first mm-hmm. move, you know, in that direction was the NBA. You know, when they suspended their season, definitely after Rudy Gobert, you know, tested positive for the virus. And at the time, mm-hmm. the um, the games were called off. Um, there was about 259 games left on the, the NBA regular season schedule. You know, that means like 20 21% of the rest, regular season could be lost. You know, not to mention even the playoffs if the league doesn't, you know, complete the season. You know, the commissioner mm-hmm. has said. He's um, has every intention of resuming the season eventually, but you know it remains to be seen whether you know the league might you know need to you know condense the season you know condense it to a different format. Um, but I, I kind of want to know what do- your thoughts on that, you know, as far as like the impact of the virus on you know all the sports. Um, my take only is man. Although, although it's killing us that we can't watch sports, I I just believe in that they these athletes are human too. So they health matters just as much as our health matters. So however long it takes to you know get the NBA or the rest of the sports. Um, started back up, I believe they should take they should take that time. You know, if we have to cancel the season, 
cancel the season because they not living just for them. Some of those some of those folks are not living just for them. They have a whole family to go to. So if you playing basketball in an empty arena, um, you know, your team might still could have the coronavirus and not know it. And it's not yeah. like yeah. from what I learned about the virus, um, it's it stays in your hair, it stays on your clothes. So no matter if you careful or not, and that's why they tell you to stay six feet away from the from the next person is because it's on your clothes. So it'll be very easy for you to get this virus. So I believe that they should take however long it takes until until the viruses go go away to start the season back up. And plus, I don't know if you know, but the WrestleMania came on last night. I didn't watch it, but I looked at the YouTube video, like some of the highlights, and you know, they did it with no crowd. And it was like the weirdest okay. thing ever. Weird. Yeah, that's weird, right? Yeah, it was It was like it was like the weirdest thing ever. All I heard was broadcasters and then the people wrestling. And I was just like, this is weird. Like, I can't even watch I can't even watch the highlights. So, if I couldn't even watch the highlights, then just think I wouldn't have been able to watch like the whole WrestleMania because it was no crowd. You think that you would have been like that if the NBA did that? Because they were gonna, they were set to do that. I think the the Warriors were actually set to do that that following day before the the season had suspended. They were the first one that had actually. Um, to do it, the, the state public days are going to actually do that. But do, do you think that you feel the same way that you felt with the wrestling, with the NBA, if they would have done that? Because I, I know um, LeBron made the comment and said he wasn't going to play in front of an empty, in, in, a, in front of injury because he played for the fans. But then he had to, he retracted it after that when it was like serious, like they were actually really thinking about doing that because of how serious everything was. I think I would, I think I still would be the same way. Like it would be just, it would be weird. Like, it, it would be just, I don't know, like, crowd is what, the crowd is what gets you pumped, like, for the for the game. Like, I don't know, I mean, you know, when you watching the 2001, the 2001 Lakers 76ers, just imagine if it was no crowd, what, oh, would, man, what was- would it be like? You know, the crowd motivates the players to play harder. When you when you can hear thousands of people roaring, like it makes the excitement of the game like that much better. That's why it was so hard for the Lakers to play um in Sacramento, because Sacramento had the loudest crowd in the NBA. So the crowd plays a major role. Right. It's almost like me. Hey. It's almost like music. You know? The crowd, you could be you could be down and out. But it's something about that crowd that when you hear the crowd cheering for you, it gives you that extra push. And so yeah, I just think I, playing I, in the empty arena just wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be the same. I would agree with you on that just because, you know, the crowd, you know, they the crowd is your energy. Especially like if mm-hmm. you're not feeling like you start playing into that and you know, as, and especially if you like in the NBA, you're in the NBA, 
and you um how that that the energy like drained out of you and then the crowd like picks you back up. Mm-hmm. That's it. So last topic. How are you getting your basketball fixed these days? You know, we just talked about the NBA. Like, you know, how are you staying in shape? You know, are you still that, that lethal shooter that I know you could be? Never gonna change. Um and you know, that's that's why I used to be so I used to be so down and out about not going as far as I knew I could. Because like it it's just like I used to see it all of these people um, you know making it to the NBA and I just be like man I know I can hoop with these guys or I, I've seen you know people go off to D1 colleges that I used to be in high school and it's just like man I could be there so I used to be upset but I found a new joy in seeing you know people how to shoot how to shoot the basketball because like you said like I can shoot the ball very well so like I'm working with my nephew now and that's what really just keeps me in shape or uh, keep me sharp you know I don't I don't take it easy on him you know we play one on one he's 13 years old and he's like 6'2 and his his first year playing basketball was last year and so, you know, I, I would go to all of the games and I would study where he would be on the court. Um, he averaged two points a game last year. And every time he had an open shot, he would pass it up. So this summer, I worked with him the whole summer. We worked on shooting. Uh, that I showed him all the moves that I know. Well, not all the moves, but the basic. Yeah, you ain't everything. I know you ain't showing the secret one. Yeah. And so I I put him in the spot where he was open all last year and I made him shoot from there. I taught him the I taught him the form and all of that type of stuff. And he went from two points a game last year to sixteen points a game this year. And so that's just kinda how I, you know, get my stay in shape, stay sharp in basketball. You know, I work with him if I'm at home, like right now, we can't go to the parks. Um, we can't go to the gym. I always have my basketball, so I just get my basketball and I shoot. I shoot in the air and catch the ball, shoot it back in the air, and it's just keeping my form sharp, you know, keeping that motion sharp. And I also tell him the same thing, you know, keep get you a basketball, lay on your back, and act like you're shooting it. Try to aim it trying to aim it for the same spot in the air. And that's just how, that's how I stay sharp with my shot. But as far as like staying in shape, like running and stuff like that, right now, you know, my job is kind of physical. So, you know, I'm always moving up there, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And, you know, I know we all done it, you know, the dribbling, dribbling towards the air and stuff like that. Like, that's just, like, the type of stuff that I do. And, yeah, that's it. Pretty much it. Count down, count down your shots. Five, four, three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like you hit the last mental. shot. Yeah, and it's mental. Yeah. Like, it's, it's mental. You you vision, you envision 
the goal being in front of you and your shooting form. You're just keeping that shooting form. You, even though you're shooting, you're shooting air, you're just keeping that form, keeping that form going. And that's and that's just how I shoot. And um, a lot of people don't believe it, but a couple of times that it snowed here in Texas, um, you know, I would go to the park with my cousin outside and we would play left-handed basketball, like left-handed 25, or I would shoot in the snow till my hands were numb. My hands were numb. I couldn't feel the ball, but I felt like if I could shoot with a numb hand on a double rim, then I would be able to shoot, you know, anywhere. So whenever the winter time came, it was real cold, freezing outside. It might have not been snow, but it was freezing outside. I go outside, you know, no gloves on. My hands will freeze up, and I'm out there shooting the basketball. And that's just kind of how I became a better shooter, in my opinion. That's why I know you took it easy on me. You talking about I beat you, but I know you probably took it easy on it. You out there shooting in the snow and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it was fun, you know. It's fun. I always enjoy um, you know, playing basketball, period. And any anytime I could teach anybody, you know, what I know, I'm I'm willing to do it. Yeah, I remember that one time I had called you, man, and you was you know, I don't know what you were doing, but you, you know, set it up, you came all the way out here and um we you know, you showed me some things and stuff like that and you know, I, I remembered everything. Yeah, and the shot instantly got better. Yeah, it's definitely. I, you know, I, just I, I still had the that, video. That little bit. I still had the video. Oh, you think I got the video? Still have the videos. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, 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 man. I, whenever this stuff clear up, man, we got to get it in again. Of course. I'm always ready. So, so man, that's that's our show for tonight, man. I, I want to thank you for like I, you know, coming on the show. You know, this is my my very first you know, podcast. That's my very first, you know, actual external guest outside of my cousin. And I had my wife on the other day. Man, I, I think okay. it went you know, rather well, man. I just, I mean, I always like talking to you about sports and particularly basketball. But, um, okay. yeah, that's that's our show for tonight. I, like I said, I appreciate it. Um, out of Bounds Nation. One more thing. Tune in to our... Go ahead, go ahead, man. I can say one more thing before we go. Like, to the listeners... Um, I just want to say, like, whatever, whatever the case may be, whatever you're working on, like, never give up. Um, even if you fall off, work hard. You can get back on it. I took um, this is the last story. I took three years off of basketball because of a job that I worked. I worked at the T, and I couldn't play basketball for three years. And wow. I ended up hurting my shoulders because of it. Um, I got fired, so I started playing basketball again. And after that, my shoulders never been the same. Like, I, both of my shoulders still to this day. Like, it's just something weird. If I move it the wrong way, like, it'll just, like, do something weird, and I barely can lift my arm up. But I worked hard, worked hard, worked hard, and I got back to it. And, like, I'm back being the daily shooter that I was. So, like, Man. never give up. <laughs> Work hard. <laughs> I mean, it's just like... Work hard or anything I, that you do. Yeah, when I when I actually see you, it's, the shot is, like, so fluid. I feel like some of the videos on there. I, I know you could have been, you know, been something. Man. I know you probably could have made the NBA or something. Yeah, man. 
I, I, I could definitely tell. Like, it's, it's there. You still got it. <laughs> 35. 35 years old, and I'm still, you know, out there playing with the 18-year-olds. That's what keeps me going. Yeah, I love it. Man, I'm right behind. I'm 33. I don't want to be old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Oh, man. So, out of bounds, Tune in to, your next, to the next broadcast next week. This is uh, Corey, and um, like I said, appreciate you, Mike, for coming on to the show, and I, I look forward to having Anytime. you on again. Anytime. Thank you, sir. Good night. Good night. If you love the Out of Bounds Sports Podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. Until next time.